right, all right. We are back with another episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. And with, with us today, we have Matt Tahoski. Did I say that correctly, Matt? Sure did. Hey, nailed it. Phil, told you I would, you fucker. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like he just reminded you or something. Get hats. <laughs> seconds ago matt is the lead singer and a guitarist of the band dr smoke who if you are an avid listener of our program you know dreamers in the dead took my second spot on albums of 2021 pretty uh pretty austere category there my friend so i gotta tell you i'm gonna be gushing on you i'm gonna be telling you i love this album i'm looking forward to talking to you thanks for joining us yeah no problem man thanks for having me so I know I got a million questions for you. Phil, do you have any preliminary questions for Matt? Anything about how great he is or how great the band is? Uh, questions preliminary, no. But uh, except that I was going to ask you about your influences, but maybe it'll be better as we get into the songs. Because uh, there's definitely a wide variety of things that I could detect that I think blends or blend together really well. So well, let's, let's it's kick, a statement. Let's kick it off. Question. Let's kick it off. Reborn into darkness. I'm, we're going to play this underneath. This is the opening track of Dreamers in the Dead. Matt, tell us a little bit about the band generally, how you guys formed, and how you came together with this synergy to for a first release to be so tight and, and well produced. This is actually our second album. Well, flop. <laughs> I no failed. worries. I failed. No worries. You have the I mean, witching hour, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first one came out about seven years ago, so I don't blame you for if you haven't heard it or anything. Um, but yeah, we formed in 2012, and when we formed, it was just me and uh, the original drummer, Dave. And uh, around that time, I was in a, a couple death metal bands with a buddy of mine from uh, Wyoming, and he moved back to Wyoming, and I couldn't find anybody to play death metal with, so I figured, hey... I'll just find like a, a rock drummer. I'll play some rock music because that's fun. I'll, you know, be cool. So I hooked up with Dave and we started writing some songs and uh, got Steve in the band and he was in one of those death metal projects as well. And uh, Cody was originally our bass player who is our drummer now. And uh, we recorded that first album with the first year of being a band. We did a demo. And then we did an Indiegogo campaign where we raised money to record the record. We recorded the record in Nashville, Tennessee at a studio called The Bomb Shelter. Um, it was all analog, direct to tape. Uh, and then we took all the stems from that record back home and ended up retracting all the guitars and the vocals. Wow. <laughs> just because um, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with the studio's recording quality. It was mostly just like we didn't like the tone we got out of our guitar amps. We were using way too much gain. And uh, we wanted to, you know, cut back a little bit on the distortion so you could actually hear some of these chords and things like that. Because we tend to have a lot of uh, a lot of open notes and chords in the songs, you know, and things that need to be heard. But um, yes, that was that's the beginning of the band. And then, um, you know, Dave left the band in 2014, and Cody switched over to drums. And when Cody switched over to drums. We kind of changed this, the direction of the band a little bit. The first record's a little bit more on the, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's 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 stoner rock, but there are a couple songs that are in that direction. But it's, um, when Cody switched over to drums, we were able to take it into a lot heavier of a direction and, and more metal influence and uh, a little more technical guitar playing and song structures because Cody's drumming ability is just great. And, uh, that helped out a lot and we hooked up with Ripple Music 
after we recorded this record and uh, they put it out and here I am talking to you about it. How has the reception been? Has it been very, as positive as we feel about it? I think so. Uh, the CD, the first press of the CD sold out in four and a half months. Uh, we're on the second pressing of the CD now, and the uh, first press of the uh, vinyl is almost sold out, too, as, as far as I know. I think that uh, we're sold out of our copies, and Ripple, I believe, only has 20 left. And it's doing well on Spotify, and it seems like people are digging it. We only, I think we only got one or two reviews that weren't necessarily great, but they weren't really terrible either. How does that make you feel to have really what I guess you would consider a success? I mean, not to say that you haven't in the past, but this it can't be easy to just put together a record and have it pretty universally considered successful. Uh, I guess it feels good. I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard to describe how I feel about making records because it, at this point where we're at with the record, I've heard these songs so many times, you know, that like, I'm like, I'm over it. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next thing. So it's, it's, a uh, to know that people are still finding it and listening to it and same with the first record it just keeps people keep finding it like it makes me feel good but i'm i'm ready to do the next thing uh, especially with such a long gap in between the first two records you know but uh, yeah it feels it feels good that, that people are digging it that's, ex sure. that's cool. exciting you're already you're already ready to do another album and you just came out of the other that one that sounds right. oh well to, like, to be completely transparent with you about the recording process for this record it started at the end of 2018 Oh, wow. Yeah, so what happened was we recorded the drums in 2018. And then throughout 2019, we finished everything else. Because the way we record is, um, at least this record and all records moving forward, we'll, we'll be done this way. We record the drums in a studio, and then everything else we do at home. We do all the guitars, all the bass, all the vocals. We do all the comping, the editing, all that stuff. And then we send it out to be mixed. But... We kind of tend to be maybe a little overly critical and kind of like perfectionists in a way where you know things will get re-recorded about a hundred times. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I think that's a great way to do it because the, one of the things that I've remarked about most about Dreamers and the Dead is it just sounds so tight and so well put together that you can tell it's perfectionist-driven, man. That just all kinds of different events in the album made me think god these guys are awesome they just have this shit down and um yeah I, I would say keep that i wouldn't change that yeah we really took a lot of time with those songs i mean there's even before we even recorded this record i mean just the demo process i think there's probably some of these songs might have four or five demos on my computer <laughs> that are different they might have different parts bridges um solos might be slightly different or non-existent the vocals the lyrics i mean things just change and evolve over time well, but, uh, Phil, you, you and our listeners wouldn't know this, but prior to our recording, Matt was showing me he's got a sick-ass library of a ton of records from different genres. So since you were in a death metal band and you have a bunch of metal records, but now, I mean, this is really a hard rock album, I think anybody would describe it with metal influence, but it's a hard rock album. Is that kind of yeah. upsetting to you? Or do you feel like pigeonholed since you've got that artist brain? Or are you excited that to keep digging down into this genre and, and be more uh, evolved hey, there. I think that it's all, uh, I'm very happy with you know where it's at genre wise I'm a lot more happy with it than the first record um, not that I don't like the first record at all I mean I, I do love it but 
where we're headed is is where I want to be. Yeah, for sure. You know, as long as you know we're not, as long as we're not getting pigeonholed into genres that I don't think that we belong in, I'm happy with. Because with the name, with the name the way it is, I mean, sometimes people just assume like, oh, it's going to be this is Stone Rock Band, just skip it. Right, Longzilla. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, is this? You know, it's an interesting thing because you started in metal and and now you're in hard rock, really. But this is to me when I hear an album like this, I think there's no reason why these guys couldn't be headlining festivals and playing huge stadiums of people because it's approachable. It's yep. not like nothing on this album is off-putting or something that I couldn't play for my wife and my kids and and my friends as well as my metalhead buddies. Oh yeah, awesome man. Yeah, yeah. I mean. What was that? Sorry, you guys should be on the radio. You guys should be on the radio, man. I can't, like, I can't, like, you know, regular local radio. Like, you guys would nail it. Man. That would it's be so, awesome. I think so the, lyrical content, the lyrical content might be a little too dark for radio. Yeah, yeah the rope might not make it on. But yeah. I, yeah. you know, I have to I say. I think that song's really catchy, but when I when I wrote the lyrics for that song, I was like, somebody somewhere might get upset about this one. No, I think that's I was, just. And nobody has said anything yet, so I don't know. I think it's yeah, a great song. Good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, Matt, I, I told you I was going to jock this and, and, be, and be gushing on you here, but tell us more about the uh, track layout. I, Phil and I always talk about this when we highlight great albums. Sometimes you'll have a great album and there's just one track that didn't really make sense or you would reorder it or one was too long and out of place. I have to say I love the length of the album. You guys cut it at a nice like 43 minutes. It's just enough that I want to hit replay and listen to it again. And there's not a single track where I think, oh, I kind of want this one to be over so I can get to the next one. It all flows well. Was that something you belabored, how to order the listing? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's like one thing I hate. And this 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 doesn't necessarily just have to do with my bands, any band. I hate when I buy a record and listen to it and it's extremely front-loaded. Where you put it on and it's mm-hmm. like the first three songs are like the best songs on the record and then they just get weaker and weaker and weaker as you go through and you're yep. like i don't want to listen to side b yep you know right um so i i'd like to try to make the layout of the of the record kind of go like in waves you know and i might not put like what i consider to be the best song first usually when i write songs when i'm working on a record and when where we're at with this new record even working on that like i have a song as soon as i start writing a song i know it's going to be the first song on the record because it's like just the way that it opens and the way that it vibes, like I'm like, this is how I want the record to open. And then typically I can kind of figure out where it's gonna go from there. Sometimes I might move things around a little bit, but I tend to try to have like really strong songs at the front, really strong songs at the middle and really strong songs at the end. So that it kind of like, just, you know, peaks and valleys, you know, and it keeps the, the listening experience interesting as long as the songs are interesting. and. Um, you know, they don't they don't get boring or outstay their welcome. Because that's another thing that drives me crazy when I listen to a record is that like this song is seven minutes long, but, but why is it seven minutes long? It should have yep. been three and a half. You know? Right. God, we are brothers. I mean, if, if, the number of times on this show I've said to Phil, this song should have ended thirty percent earlier is like Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just Yeah, and it, it happens a lot. You know, you, you listen to songs and it's just especially in like uh Especially in like the the genre, the subgenre of bands that like we we play with sometimes like that, it's just the songs are just really long for no reason or or things repeat over and over and over and over again. And I guess some people like stuff like that because they can kind of like zone out and drone out into those songs. But like for me personally, I just like like in and out. And sometimes like 
like with with the case of like a song like The Rope, that song's like two minutes and fifty eight seconds. So you got to listen to it again if if you want to hear it again. You yeah. know, I'm not going to repeat it. And you, you know? and you yep. desperately want to because you, at the end of it, so brilliantly cut it off without saying the rope again. So, you yeah. know, your brain fills in the blank. And that was such a polished move to, to jump kind of out of order here. That was such a polished move that when I first heard it, I was like, God damn, that's such a cool, ballsy move to not finish that statement and let your brain and mind do it for you. Where did that come from? Was that something that you guys did organically or was that your driving you know, direction or what happened there? Uh, well, to be completely honest with you, it ended up it ended up being a lot cooler than I was anticipating. But my reason for doing it was it just felt really weird to me because the way that riff ends, dan, 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 the ro- if I would have said the rope, it would have been like acapella at the end of the song, and the way that it flowed. And I was like, that just that's lame. <laughs> so I replaced it with that the rope drop, and it swings, and you don't need to say the rope again because you hear the rope, you know. And it's already there in your mind. That was just such a classy move from my perspective, man. Very cool. Thanks, man. I like. I appreciate that. So tell me about the band's direction now. And we'll come back to this album. But you're already recording another album. Do you have a forecasted release date, or is it too far down the road? Well, we're not. We're not into the recording process yet. We're kind of. We're in the. We're in the rough draft stages of songs. Uh, that I mean really structuring them out. Um, there is, I think, maybe the beginnings of 12 songs. One is mostly complete. There's no lyrics yet. And we haven't really started demoing anything out. I just have everything in Guitar Pro. Do you know what Guitar Pro is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I have all the notation in there, and I've listened to those songs already thousands and thousands of times, how they are. Because uh, that's like the one way that, you know, I, I feel like, if you're writing songs and you're not listening to them over and over and over and over again and looking for the flaws or looking for like, what can I add here? Is it a little flourish or this or that? Like to make it interesting. Like that's like, I don't know, I have to do that. And I think that's part of like an obsessive thing, you know, and just trying to make like a really good song. So I just, I want to make, I want to make a record that I want to listen to because otherwise what's, what's the point, you know, right. I want to, I want to make sure that I enjoy it because I'm, I'm, I'm I'm the one that's got to play it a thousand times. And, right, and listen to it. And yeah, right. Edit it. Yeah. Right. And uh, sometimes you, you come up with ideas that you wouldn't have come up with if you hadn't listened to that song a thousand times. Well, it's, but uh, yeah, it's yeah really, there's, there's the beginnings of 12 songs. So That's exciting. Do you have a name of the album yet? No, I do not. But we do have, like I said, there's no titles. There's only working titles, and they're really goofy. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, But we do have cover out, uh, cover art for it. Very cool. Who did that? Yeah. The same guy that did the album cover for Dreamers and the Dead. Uh, his name's Adam Burke. Nice man. Cool. Man, that's a great album cover, man. Absolutely. It, that's like one of the reasons that and your name I think sounds cool. When you go through the list on Spotify, just new rock or whatever, you you see that and you go, oh, I'm probably gonna give this a listen just because it looks cool, which is a shallow analysis or you know way to go about it. But I mean, that's how it works. Draw people man. in some way. Yeah, yep. that's how it works. Exactly. It works the same way for a lot of things. I mean, even for like you know movies on netflix or amazon prime if they don't have a good yep. poster art you know you might not click on it or you might watch something you never would have watched in the first place yep. yeah yeah because when you have that many things to choose from you got there's got to be some criteria to, to not listen to some listen all, you know, time to do all of it yeah so i have a million questions for you the first one that comes to me from what we were just talking about in the recording of the new album is are, are you guys planning to tour between 
finalizing this new album and, and the release of Dreamers in the Dead, or are you going to forego a tour to just focus on the recording and the writing? Um, well, we're actually, speaking of Indiegogo campaigns, we're about to launch another one here soon to help us get a new vehicle because we have no vehicle at the moment. Um, we do have a trailer, but our vehicle shit out a while ago. Well, make In sure the past you, two years, we've only... Make sure you... I'm sorry to cut across you. Make sure you tell our listeners where they can go to help you out. So that's, you know... When... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Great. Yeah, it's it's not up it's not up yet, but it should be up within uh, the next few days, but it'll be an Indiegogo campaign, and you can find the link for it on our Facebook or our Instagram. Um, but we're just trying to raise some funds to help us get a new vehicle so we can get out and play some shows. You know, over the past two years, we've only played two shows. Wow. Um, we haven't been able to travel. I mean, mostly, mostly to do with COVID. We didn't, we didn't do anything during COVID time. And now that it seems like it's mostly over, I mean, we're ready to get out there and make up for lost time, man. Uh, we do have a lot of dates planned for the year. Um, in July, we're, we're planning on doing a 10 day run through, um, through Texas and then back up through the bottom of the East coast. Uh, we're going to be playing ripple fest, which is, um, ripple fest, Texas and Austin, Texas. It's our labels, festival that's put on by one of the guys in the band high desert queen they're based out of austin they're on ripple uh, music and the lineup for it is looking pretty killer it's a four-day festival nice. it's got a lot of bands from the label and a lot of bands that aren't from the label and they're just in the genres and it's looking like it's going to be pretty cool nice yeah man. it sounds legit yeah i know that they have announced crowbar is on it uh i don't i don't think i'm going to get to see crowbar because we're playing sunday but still pretty cool i bet the i bet your bandmates are pretty jacked about that it sounds pretty cool yeah everybody's excited man i mean hey, we're just excited to get out there and, and do some new things you know we're, we've been working on a new live show that i'm excited to get out and do and, um just looking forward to the future man you know i'm curious matt and phil i'm sorry i keep jumping in so quickly but i have so many questions for him no, it's all good, buddy. It's all good. What is, you know, what drives somebody like you? You're doing something that you're perfecting. You're spending ton. I mean, God knows how many hours you're spending pouring over this material and rewriting and recording and getting better at your craft. And it seems, at least from the outside, that in 2022, it's never been easier to record music. So there's just competition from everywhere. I mean, it just anybody <laughs> can, can have a band now because all you need is a computer and a guitar, pretty much, or a keyboard. That's um, true. So what drives you and the band, really? You know, you probably all have to have jobs, right? You're not just doing this independently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you, you got jobs. Have... Yeah, go ahead, sir. Yeah, you got, you got jobs, you got careers, you got part, families and whatever. Some of you guys are all you guys. And and what just, is it just the love of the music or what is it, man? Man, ever since first grade, for me, for me personally, ever since first grade, when I was listening to Kiss Alive, I like I knew in that moment like I'm gonna play music forever. It was it, I didn't even know how to play music yet. I was just looking at the album cover and I was listening to it and I grabbed a classical guitar and I was pretending to play and I was like jumping up and down on my bed and I was like this is what I want to do. I'm gonna do this and I'm still trying to do it. It's just, it's something in me that's it's an integral part, an integral piece of my life and my identity is music and and uh. A lot of that has to do with my dad. My dad is was a DJ and he was in bands when he was younger and he's got a huge record collection and he got me started right young, man. You know, he got me on, you know, Kiss and Alice Cooper and Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne, like first, second grade, you know, and then 
was on I was off there from my on my own after that looking at like I was listening to King Diamond and Lizzie Borden and then I got into death metal and you know so it's always been it's been my entire life has been you know just drenched in metal and rock music so it's just it's a piece of me that I can't get rid of if I if I did if I lost that piece I don't know what I would do or how it exists and uh you know I know Steve Steve's the same way I'm not sure exactly about you know when or how or you know he he got that bug he's got the bug also to where like he's just that's the lead guitar player in the band just had he wouldn't know what to do without music you know and jeff and cody are are similar um cody is cody's one of the most talented musicians i've ever met in my entire life the dude can sing with perfect pitch it's insane um he can just like and come up the top of his head with just like these songs that are just like they're goofy songs but like man he just can run off like he actually has an album out called the cook collection it's a album of comedy songs that he wrote it's on spotify um and cool. jeff uh jeff is a guy that i wish i would have met a long time ago because i've known steve uh i've known steve for half my life i met steve when i was 15 we were in a death metal band together at 15 years old uh, Jeff was a latecomer to our local music scene. He's, he's our bassist, and uh, man, I just I wish I would have met him a long time ago because he's probably the best bass player I've ever played with in my entire life. And he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun, um, and I'm glad to have him in the band. You know, I'm not sure if I kind of went off topic from your question or not, but <laughs> well, no, it's clear yeah. that, you, that it's an inseparable part of you that drives you to do this. But I'm curious about your dad. It sounds like he's the man. Is he? Is he? My dad's badass. Is he listening to your album and, and giving you feedback like, hey, you know, I think you should have tightened it up right here around three minutes. Or is he like just so proud that he's just like, you can do no wrong? Uh, no, my, my dad won't hesitate to tell me if something sucks. There you go. That's a good dad. Um, yeah, he won't he won't hesitate. But he's also he's, he's he's very supportive. I mean, he's been at a lot of our shows. Um, he's he usually he'll come like if we, if we go to a recording studio to work on something, he'll be there for a little bit. He'll come hang out. Um, and uh yeah i mean he's he's always like spreading the, the word of the band like on uh his facebook to his his friends and stuff like that so yeah i mean he's he's very supportive very cool um i like yeah, that I mean, it makes me think of the, the dad when you score the most points in the league in basketball and then you come off the floor you know your team wins you won by 15 you had 20 points and he's like you could have you could have made that free throw you could you could have hit that uh, outside shot yeah. you should have taken that jumper what the hell were you doing that's a good that's a dad you need right there always pushing yeah, he's always he's always asking me what I'm working on. Very cool. You know, when 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 are you gonna have this this ready? When are you gonna have this stuff? Not not to be pressuring. He's just generally curious. But yeah, he's definitely very supportive so of, of the whole band. The other thing that came to my mind when you were telling us about kind of what has gotten you here is, you know, that that love of of just picking up the guitar and standing on your bed and just be that energy. The way I would describe it is just the energy. Is that something you get more from? knowing people are out here like phil and i listening to your album and loving it or is it the live performance it's both yeah cool you know because the way i feel about making records and playing shows are two different beasts you know making records i think is more important because at the end of the day that's the legacy of you as a musician if you don't have recorded music then you really have no real legacy you know i mean that's that's it you know, and the, and if you, shows come with it, and I love playing shows, um, 
but I love going to concerts with other bands and stuff. But I know I know that you, maybe you might feel the same way as like you go to a show and like it's it's clear in your mind for a day or two, and then like a month goes by and you've got like your grasping and pictures of it in your brain. You know what I mean? And then before you know it, it's mostly just like blurs. But then you can go back to those records anytime you want. They're there forever, and uh, that that drives me a lot more than than being on stage. But I do enjoy being on stage. Well, Phil and I have talked about it. It's kind of like the perfect marriage when you see a band live and they're excellent. And then you come back and you listen to the albums again, and then you you almost hear it the way that you saw it. You know what I'm saying? Like you put the two yeah. together, and it becomes this perfect union of like, damn, that's such a great song because you remember it live and now the perfect quality of the audio there too. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives like a gives a credibility too, kind of to the band to the album because you know they can do this live. It's not all like uh, manufactured. It's you know legit. It's truly a reflection of what they what they do as a band. Yep. And so yeah, it's pretty crazy. You only did two shows in two years. You must be anxious to get out there. Man, I am. Uh, where we all are, and uh, especially just because like. I want to get out there and play these new songs, you know, because a lot of the, we haven't played, I mean, except for those two shows, we haven't played a lot of these songs live. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'm really excited to get out there. And like I said, we're working on a new, uh, a new live show where we, um, we've switched over from traditional amps and cabs to like an all-in-one uh, rack system with in-ear monitors and we're using an Axe effects. And we're just going to be running everything like direct through front of house. Uh, and we're working on building like a stage design because you can't have an empty stage if we're not going to have amplifiers you know what i mean i don't want to have an empty stage and have it be like boring to look at so i've been working on building something for that which is exciting it's it's every band i've ever been in i've wanted to because i mean like i said man i grew up listening to kiss and alice cooper and king diamond and ozzy and all these shock rock guys and like one thing i always enjoyed was like the big elaborate stage designs you know what i mean and i, I wanted to have something like that you know something manageable though something small and it's it's definitely small what we're building but it's it's cool i think and i'm, I'm excited to finally do something like that so there's not going to be an elephant there if you're telling me? no elephants <laughs> you got to have a smoke machine with a band named dr smoke right oh i mean that's the plan i mean we're i want to have a I'd like to have like you know like a whole floor of like dry ice at least for the beginning Definitely, of the set. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Nice well, eerie vibe. I got yeah. a, I got a question, Matt, about your vocal style. I mean, you obviously have a very clear, clean voice for an interview, but your vote your singing style was the first thing that captured me when I first heard this album. You have an it's a very unique I don't even know how you describe it, a unique tonality or kinda of like a unique spirit to how you're singing do you was that something that came with the sound of the band or is this just your singing voice in every arena no uh the witching hour itself when the for our first record that's the first time i've ever done an entire album of clean singing <laughs> and if you if you listen to that record and compare it to this record vocally like it's pretty different it's just been years of, of doing that and trying to hone it and figure out what i want to do and um i think it's getting better you know i i still i still have reservations about my own my own vocals sometimes i think that's the one thing i beat myself up about the most you know but uh 
totally un yeah, I mean, totally unjustified. Uh, just so you understand, totally unjustified to feel that way because it <laughs> it sounds it sounds like you have a swagger that matches the music like perfectly. Phil, do you agree with me on that? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it's like a, there's a rawness, almost like a punky. Like a little bit of anger in there. It sounds. I think it's an awesome sound. It's perfect for the music. It's it's, yes, that's exactly yeah. right. It's, it sounds like the perfect amount of just swagger to match the music. It's the perfect. Uh, if you put some other vocalist on it, I just don't think it would work. Yep. That's cool, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's something that kind of you've evolved with this sound, the sound of this band. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because, um, like I said, yeah, the for our first record is the first. Thing I ever recorded it was 100% clean vocals. And prior to that, it's like mostly harsh and death metal stuff. Um, I still we I still do some death metal stuff, not in this band, but um, oh, but yeah. Cool. As far as yeah, um, I actually uh, Steve, the lead guitar player in this band, and I have another band uh, called Infestuous that we're working on our debut record, and uh, with the drummer, our drummer friend Alan, he plays in the Black Dahlia Murder. Wow, that's awesome. Whoa. Yeah, he he's I've, I've known Alan for years. He's he's one of my best friends. Uh, we used to be in a, a few bands together. He was actually the guy that I mentioned earlier that moved away. But I couldn't find another death metal genre. It was him. Um, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, man, uh, that stuff's fun. But like, it doesn't it doesn't scratch the same itch as as Doctor Smoke does. You know? Well, it's not Kiss. It's not that kind of arena yeah. rock. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, it's it's got power behind it. And it's got intensity, and I love death metal, but I, I like uh, I, don't know, I like rock music and just heavy metal more. Awesome. Well, I have to tell you, and maybe you'll find this funny or just it won't land. But when I first heard this album, I thought to myself, "Are you familiar with the movie Airheads?" <laughs> yes. You know, Absolutely. it's such a great movie, such a classic. Anybody who loved rock and metal when they were growing up as a kid loved that movie. At least all my buddies. And I, oh, yeah. your, your album, I could just see if like some scene where they're cutting to Brendan Fraser in a club, I could see your band up there playing a song from this album. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like that vibe, it's just so purely cool. Just that whole idea of don't give a fuck rock. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what we do and this is who we are and it's cool. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's just cool. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I, love I love Airheads, dude. <laughs> great. What a great movie. Um, I think that comes down a lot to the influences in the writing, you know, uh, because like I said to you earlier before we started the interview, I, I love and tend to listen to a lot of a lot of 80s heavy metal. And that's and that, that comes down to the influences for this band is it's just. Yeah, man, I, I feel like there's definitely some of that new wave of British heavy metal in there. It sounds like uh, stuff that you, like you mentioned Ozzy Osbourne to Maiden type stuff. You know, very, it, you, there's clearly a an influence there, and it mixes so well with a little bit of like a groovy doom kind of vibe, and and that, I think it's those are not things that you would think to mix. I don't, it, no, I wouldn't, and uh, it sounds yeah, so man. natural. But, yeah, I mean, are, like, were you surprised it sounded so natural? I guess not, because you worked on it, you edited it like a zillion times. But no, I, it is, I have very very clear vision for what I what I want this band to be and sound like, and. and I, some, you know, I hope the other guys, you know, share the same vision as, as I do. I know that sometimes, like, we butt heads on certain details, but, yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, like just blending things, you know, like if I had a giant blender, it's like the bands that I would throw into it, and like the percentages of which bands I would throw into it to make yeah. this, you know what I mean? Like, yep. 
that that comes that's that's very it's an important part of it you know because i want to be i want to be original to an extent but i also like i kind of want to play up to my own nostalgia of certain things and things that i think there's not a lot of bands that I'm not trying to try to toot my own horn or anything, and I'm not trying to say it's it's like super great, but I don't I don't hear a lot of modern bands doing that. I don't hear a lot of the same influences in a lot of modern bands that I do with stuff that is influenced by me. I think that there's a lot of bands currently. It's and I think and to touch on a point uh, that was brought up earlier, it comes down to just being able to pick up a guitar in your basement and make a record and put it on Spotify. So like, there's so much stuff to wade through to find good stuff that oh, there's so much stuff that just it's just the same thing over and over and over again that are like carbon copies you know and i don't want to be a carbon copy but i do uh i do want to show my influences if that makes sense well yeah sure. definitely what you're saying is right online with the purpose of this show i've said it a, a million times at the start of you know however many episodes with phil i say this is the show to help you wade through all of the new shit that sucks and get to the stuff that's really great like we're just gonna go do that for you listen to several hundred if not several thousands of albums a year and we're gonna come to you and tell you here's what was really great from you know modern era and no question i just get the sense that your guys's band is the perfect direction and you guys are on a trajectory for something amazing because you're doing this your way but in the way that people like what you know what i'm saying you're making likable music with your own unique style and that is magic when you do that because you can't be so unique that nobody fucking listens you know what i'm saying like and there's a lot of yeah. that like look at me we're so unique but nobody fucking cares or yeah. it's, or it's well i'm not unique at all and i'm just the black dahlia murder again because there's there's bands that are just a carbon copy like you said but you guys are unique yeah. and approachable thank you man i appreciate yeah. that so yeah, I mean the black the Black Dye Murder is, is a band that they were one of my favorite bands when I was younger, man. It's crazy that Alan's in that band now. But like that's a band that like is like their own, truly a unique brand. And there are a lot of lot of people that cling on to that and ape that just over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. That's that's kinda awesome that they kinda set a, a trend in a way, you know. That's that's uh that's definitely a giant achievement. Um But yeah, dude, I mean you gotta you gotta be accessible though you know what i mean like like you said you don't want to just make something that's so off the wall that like only 30 people are gonna like it you know unless unless that's truly deep down like you want you're trying to you're satisfying yourself doing that i guess you know um i can't imagine yeah, that's too many i can't imagine that's too many true artists i think a lot of artists have the desire to spread what it is they have something yeah. to say and they have something to share and if it wasn't being received they would be disappointed i think if you really corner somebody and they're being honest that's what they'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is accessibility is, is really important because yeah, you want you want people to be able to uh, attach themselves and, and, and like what you're doing, you know. It, unless your unless your sole purpose is to be, you know, dividing and controversial, you know. Well, let me take you back to the album just because I have so many questions about it. You know, you have this track listing. We talked about how important it was. It's ten songs. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And you have stuff like The Rope at number nine, which I think is one of the best on the album. You have Dreamers in the Dead, the title track at number seven. And Waking Dreams at number three was kind of the first song that 
after I heard the beginning, the first two tracks, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then the intro to Waking Dreams got me again. I was like, God, this is better than the first two tracks. So just talk to me a little bit about kind of what uh, what songs came first. Did you have Dreamers in the Dead done first and then, you know, other things came after? Or just kind of talk to us a little bit about that process. The very first song written for this record was This Hallowed Ground. And that song was written and the beginnings of Waking Dreams. Those were written in the hotel room um, after we recorded the first record. And not, not the whole way through, but just ideas. Um, like I said, we recorded the first record in Nashville, Tennessee. And I went down there, my dad went with me. And uh, the other three guys left the hotel and we ended up getting stuck there for another week because the car, our car broke down. So I started writing some songs. So This Hallowed Ground and Waking Dreams came out first. And those were years and years, like seven years old. Uh, but the original versions of, of Waking Dreams, if I were to play the demo, you'd be like, oh yeah, I kind of hear that this is that song. You know, it's, oh, it's, really? it's different. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a hell of a lot slower. And uh, it's just different. But those songs were first, The Rope was the final song written for the record. Um, the rope kind of just like came out of nowhere. Like I wrote that song, I think in like two days. Wow. It's like, it just popped out. It was like an unexpected little nugget of, you know, something. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know a particular order of the rest of the songs. They're kind of just, a lot, the way that I write songs is like, I, I, I tend to do this thing. And I think a lot of other guitar players probably do the same thing where you come up with an idea for the beginning of a song and then like maybe one day you sit down, you're like, I'm gonna finish this song. And then by the end of the day, you're like, I started four more songs and I didn't finish the one that I started. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that happens a lot. Where like I'll have like a half song for like six months before I come up with ideas, or like before, you know, Steve Steve will fill in the blanks, you know, or like, you know, help help me find a direction for it. Or like he'll come up with some ideas and then I'll form his ideas into a full song or vice versa. You know, that that's kinda usually how it goes. But uh, a lot of songs kind of tend to hang out for a few months in an unfinished state where it's like, there's just a verse and a chorus here, and I don't know how we're going to tie it all back together at the end. Well, there's a you know? seriously awesome amount of riffage on this album. Is, would you say that's equal parts you and Steve, or is it more he has a riff and you add on, or how does that go? Uh, I mean, depends on which songs. You know, because there's, there's songs that, like, I'll, I'll do the entire rhythms I'll write all the entire rhythms myself, and then he writes all his solos. Um, wow. The song "Out of Time" on this record, he wrote the majority of that song, and then there's there's a handful of other songs that he filled in gaps where, like, I like I have no ideas, or like I had a part there that like just sucked, and he came in and he was just like, "No, dude, that sucks," and like, here's another idea. He's really he's really awesome at that, like helping helping me take ideas that like I don't know where to go with them and, and finishing them up, you know. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, maybe, I don't know. I tend, I tend to write, I tend to write more riffs, um, and, and structure the songs on my own. And then kind of, like I said, I'll put them into like guitar pro or I'll record a demo and I'll give it to the guys and then they'll tell me if they like it or not. And then help me change the structures of it or whatever. And then the lyrics come after because it's surprising to me. What we, although I should say, Phil and I interviewed um, 
John from Judicator, and he told us that he writes the guitars, and then he sends the I think maybe correct me if I'm wrong if I'm wrong on this, Phil, but he sends the guitar work over to the drummer, and then the drummer puts the drums to it, and then they send him a whole song done, and then the vocalist like records words. I'm when the pretty com- sure that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. When the songs are completed, so is that how you always do it, or do you have an idea for lyrics? It's just surprising to me that the lyrics come last, but I guess that's common. I hate writing lyrics. Wow. It's the hardest thing in the world for me to do, and uh, it always is the, the thing that's, that's the most labor-intensive and the longest process because it's just it's just something that, like, I have friends in bands who are like, like my buddy Bryce, he's in a band called Plague Wielder, and they're, uh, they're kind of like a crusty black metal band. They got a lot of punk influences, but he's one of the, he's a great lyricist. I mean, it's, it's effortless for him to just like write lyrics. And like, it's, I've never been that way. It's uh, my buddy, uh, Andrew DeCagna, he's in the band Brimstone Coven, who's also on Ripple. Um, he kind of shares the same sentiment with me as like writing lyrics is kind of a chore. You know, it's, it's definitely tough to do. But usually what's hilarious, and I, and you can find some some videos on YouTube of Paul Stanley doing something similar, is what I'll tend to do is while I'm writing the songs, I have the, the vocal melodies and cadences are already in my head. Like I know what I want the vocals to, where I want them to go uh, melodically, and I know how they're phrased, but I don't have lyrics yet. So what I'll do is I'll record like scat vocals Okay, on just top sounds. of the demo. Yeah, the just just sounds and syllables. And then every now and then, like, I might actually say some real words by accident or things that sound like real words and that might, might push me in a direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, typically lyrics are, are dead last and sometimes they take way too long and they hold things up. Um, hopefully for this next record, it won't be as bad because I have some ideas already, but I, that's usually the way it goes. That's crazy. And I, I'll look for I'll look for inspiration and usually usually horror. I like I like I love horror films and uh, short stories and, and things like that. And that's usually where I'll try to dig for inspiration for stuff. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, you've already shared with us. I'm going to take a little U-turn on you. You've already shared with us that you have a diverse interest in music, and we always ask our guests to share kind of what they're listening to or when they're not recording what are they into what would they recommend so if our listeners are thinking oh matt your music's so cool what would we listen to what would be the best post 2000 release in the death metal genre in the rock genre in you know whatever you want to share with us if you have like two or three in mind that come out and say yeah guys got to check out such and such well are you looking for are you looking for bands that are like kind of influential to the band or are you looking for just stuff I just generally enjoy? Whatever you would want somebody to listen to who listens to you right now on this podcast, what would you want them to go listen to? Uh, I would say there are a lot of Swedish bands that influence this That's record. Fine. I always tell Phil Sweden's got the best in terms of metal, if you put all the catalogs of all the countries up, Sweden number one. Yeah, and the funny thing is is that a lot of the Swedish bands that influence a lot of the stuff on this record are like kind of in the same i don't know if they're all still currently friends but they're definitely all acquaintances and have been in projects together but um so like um ghost obviously is not uh 
it's not like the the main or a giant or huge influence but ghost is kind of this like center point for these other bands um they the guy from ghost tobias forge had um a death metal band called repugnant and there was members in repugnant from these other bands in solitude in solitude is is a awesome band that they've broken up they only have three records and when they started they were kind of like kind of like a merciful fate clone but by their third record sister which is a, was a huge influence for a lot of this stuff um they kind of found their own own place uh and then they broke up right after that which is really unfortunate but they're they were really young guys like their first record came out they were 14 years old on that record so when they broke up i think they were only like 19 Wow. Uh, but wow, it, man. Yeah. If you check out In Solitude's Sister, that's a great record. I think that came out in 2011. Um, okay. Or maybe, maybe 2000. No, it might be like 2014. Sorry. 2014. I'm playing. Might have my date. I'm playing it up. underneath of us right now so people can take a listen here. From the uh, Swedish heavy metal band. It looks like they signed in 2010. It was released October 1st of 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah, and that this album was on Metal Blade Records. It was their third and final album. So, also from Repugnant, there was a member of that band that's in a band called Tribulation. Great and Tribulation, Tribulation. Yeah, Tribulation. They're a black metal band, but they're kind of like they're like a gothy black metal band with a lot of rock influences. And uh, I think, like as far as black metal goes, I mean that's probably one of the most accessible black metal bands I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, that band fucking rules and then there's another band called enforcer from sweden and they're they're kind of like more like a new wave of traditional heavy metal kind of band a little more speed metal uh, but yeah those those guys are all kind of like the way that i see it at least they're all kind of in like uh, some kind of circle with each other they they might not agree with that if they heard it or not but <laughs> just just basing off the fact if i use repugnant as a center point that all those bands kind of seem to be in the same point i was a huge uh, i was a huge fan of the children of the night album by tribulation i love that album that. yeah that's that's the first album i heard by those guys and uh that's their third record that tends to be the thing because uh insulted also sister that's their third record uh i feel like a lot of bands like their third record it tends to be the one where like people finally like they're like oh hey like this band exists like it it's kind of like a breakout point Maybe the, for, the foreshadowing of things to come for Dr. Smoke yeah, exactly. the third album coming I hope up. So. I hope so. We'll see. Um, that remains to be seen. I, 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 that'd be awesome. Um, as far as other things I'm really into right now, um, this is a band that's on Ripple. They're from Moscow. They're called Starified. S-T-A-R-I-F-I-E-D, for those of you at home. S-T-A-R-I-F-I-E-D. Yeah, Starified. The album's called Fat Hits. And uh, this album is, this is a hard rock record, or it's, I'd say more alternative rock. Um, it's kind of like around the, the, in the vein of like Queens of the Stone Age and like uh, Foo Fighters and things like that. But this is a very, very solid rock record that like, to touch on other topics, doesn't outstay its welcome. Like songs are just, they're they're too catchy and they're they're not too long and it's really good and uh kind of feel bad for these guys right now you know because yeah the, uncert the uncertainty of their future but uh, bummer, uh they are working on their second record it's almost complete so hopefully they're able to 
get that out and and keep going. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you guys have you guys ever listened to Midnight. No. No. Oh, about Midnight. Maybe. Midnight. Midnight's a band from Cleveland, Ohio that started out on the record label Hell's Headbangers. Which, if you've never heard of Hell's Headbangers, that's an awesome. It's probably my favorite underground metal label and distro. So if you're looking to buy any metal music, underground shit, check out Hell's Headbangers. But Midnight, uh, they they recently signed the Metal Blade Records, and they've released uh, two records through them so far. And I, I believe it's their sixth and seventh albums. But they just put a new one out this month, and it's awesome. called Rebirth by Blasphemy. Oh, no, sorry, not Rebirth by Blasphemy. That's the one from a couple years ago. Uh, something about witchery. Let There Be Witchery. That's the new Midnight record. And I, I, just got I think I've heard mail. a song from that. Yeah, it's fucking sick, dude. I just got it in the mail the other day, and I was I was psyched about it because I, I do really enjoy that band a lot. And they're kind of like, um, they kind of like have a lot of Venom influence. Okay. So like... Like and or like uh like Motorhead, which well, I mean Venom kind of just sounds like Motorhead anyways in a, in a way, but uh kind of like evil Motorhead, right? Yeah. I'm playing the album. Yeah. I'm playing the uh, song "Telepathic Nightmare," the opening track from Midnight yeah. right now from "Let There Be Witchery" 2022 release. Yeah. There's also a song on that album called "Let There Be Sodomy." <laughs> that's that's right. There, I think I've heard that song. Yeah. That's the yeah. one Phil yeah. goes right to. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw Sodomy. I was like, I gotta hear this. I'm drawing yeah, in. They have, they have a lot of songs <laughs> like that. They have a lot of songs about like leather and whips and chains and sex and stuff like that. Uh, Midnight's fucking sick because they're it's a basically essentially a one man band. Um, the guy that's the bass player and vocalist live, he records all the instruments and writes all the songs. So when you listen to a Midnight record, it's all him. Wow, which is bad. Yeah, that's very cool. Insane amount of work. I don't know how to do that. Uh, he's just, he knows what he wants it to sound like, and he's driven, and, you know, he's yeah. the guy. We interviewed uh, Jacob from Kvain, if you know that band. Yeah. K-V-A-E-N, uh, which is a one-man. What is it? K-V-A-E-N, uh, Funeral Pyre. We interviewed Jacob uh, maybe five, six months ago now, and he was a one-man black metal project, and he crushes it, man. So I, I definitely uh, respect for those one-man bands. Yeah, I'll check that out. I pulled it up. There's a lot of a lot of black, uh, black metal bands tend to be one man projects. The funeral, yeah, the that, funeral uh, pyre is Say, his album. Uh, Sayor is a one man band. I'm pretty sure that that's a cool atmosphere black project. Yeah, when uh, I was in high school, there was a few a few one man bands, black metal bands that I really was into. Uh, like Leviathan was one, and there's another one called Zoster. Or Zoster was a little more atmospheric, but um, Leviathan is a little bit more kind of like. Well, it's like depressive black metal, it's a little dark. But uh, yeah, I mean, just what's that? Oh no, I was gonna say uh, that used to be like a uh, redundant thing to say, but now not anymore. I was gonna say because it's like black yeah. days. It's a little more uplifting. So. Yeah. Well, Matt, for all of our listeners out there who want to support you and support the band and love what you guys are doing, where can they turn to? Buy merch or buy uh, records or follow you guys and make sure that you're. Uh, on a tour they can see you you know just give us some insight and intel on how they can support you uh, as far as following us i mean we're on all uh, the basic social medias we're on instagram and facebook you can follow us on there um see if, if we have any any up-to-date posts you know things coming up shows or we're working on something 
Um, as far as buying merchandise goes, and you can head to our Bandcamp. Uh, it's drsmoke.bandcamp.com, and then we have uh, some merch on there. But a lot of that merch is going to get migrated over to our upcoming Indiegogo account, uh, or campaign, I should say, that we're going to have up within the next few days to help us gather funds for a new van. Um, also, you can buy um, records through Ripple's website. Uh, it's ripple-music.com, and then you click on U.S. Store or also through their Bandcamp. Excellent. Excellent. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners about the, the future of the band or anything that you'd maybe not shout from the front of the stage because it's a different energy, but anything you'd want to say as a as a send-off? I would just say we're just getting started. Love it. You know, so expect expect a lot more from us. Phil, in the spirit of ending something good before it gets too stale, I think we've done a great job, and Matt's been an awesome guest. Maybe we'll have him back on Hello. again if he'll, if he'll let us, when the next album drops, come back in and, and give us a preview. Phil, do you have anything for him before we let him go? No, man. I just want to say you guys do a rare thing with blending your the influences and making it catchy, and uh, I'm really excited about the next album. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks, Phil. Mm-hmm. Matt, you are the man. Phil, brother, you're the man. Always great to do the show with you. This is another episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. Go out and support Dr. Smoke because they're doing amazing stuff. Until next time. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having us.